1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. First Corinthians 15, we'll start reading at verse number one. It says this, <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, According to the scriptures, we'll ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word. Do you know why you're not saved tonight? If you're sitting in this meeting and you're not saved, the reason why is because you have not appreciated. You have not believed. You have not trusted, not me, not Joey, but a person. One of the things the Apostle Paul wants to emphasize in 1 Corinthians 15 is that our faith rests on a person. I trust that now one person will leave this meeting tonight and will leave thinking that the Christian faith or salvation in general is something that depends on your emotions or something that you do. I trust that you'll see from these verses, salvation depends on a person. Sometimes you think salvation depends on your belief. Do I believe enough? Sometimes you think salvation depends on how strongly you feel about being saved. I really want to be saved. The Bible says that salvation depends on a person. If you get that wrong tonight, you won't be saved. And if you continue to get that wrong, you will never be saved. Salvation depends on a person. I remember standing outside of a lady's house and we were trying to explain the gospel to her. She was quite antagonistic to us. Another uh, brother that was with me. And she closed the conversation by this grand statement. I believe what the Pope says. And if the Pope says it, I believe it. I'm not sure where I'm going to be. And then she went like this. Maybe after I die, I'll see you up there or I'll see you down there. That's what she said to me. She was, trying, she was going for shock back. She didn't like us very much. Still doesn't. She believed a man. But it was the wrong man. Who are you believing tonight? You either believe in God himself and his son that he sent to the world, or you're believing in yourself, or you're believing in someone else. Who are you trusting in? Everyone is trusting in someone tonight. I want to tell you about this sermon that Paul was preaching. He would preach it over and over again. And when Paul would go to a different place, 
he would preach the same message. Paul goes to a brand new city, but he says, this is what I preach when I go places. You know why he wrote this in chapter 15? He's writing this because there were people in Corinth who were doubting the resurrection. So Paul says, look, I want to tell you something. When I came to Corinth, I would preach about the resurrection. It's right here in the message. But the message that I preached was this. I delivered it unto you. That which I also received. Christ died, according to the scriptures. He was buried, according to the scriptures. And he rose again, according to the scriptures. That's what I would preach to you. So now why are you doubting the resurrection? Why are you doubting this great truth that I would tell you over and over and over again? And I'm glad he did. Because we have one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. One of those chapters where Paul gives us more information than we would have had if these people weren't doubting. Just like the rest of 1 Corinthians, a lot of the things that are happening in the book because they had doubts or they had problems and the Apostle Paul was answering them. Well, here's another one. When it comes to, when it comes to what the gospel is, Paul tells us in no uncertain terms, this is what it is. Number one, Christ died and he was buried and he rose again. If you have a salvation that is outside of those three terms, that's not salvation. If what you're trusting in this evening is outside of the purview of those three terms, then that is not salvation. When you're young, you trust in lots of different things. And sometimes you get caught in the trap of trying to trust in your own belief. Trying to trust in your own faith. I think I believed enough that time. I went through that. I had what we like to call false professions and thinking that I was saved and not knowing if I was truly saved and trusting in my belief. Cut all of that out of your, out of your life right now. Cut that out tonight. Salvation is this. It is a person. It's a person. And if you think rightly about this person and if you put your faith in this person then you will have salvation. And you don't need to worry about, well, was it enough faith that night? Did I believe strongly enough that night? Did I cry enough that night? No, no. If you're right about the Son, if you trust the Son, then you have salvation. Paul gives us these beautiful words here. He, he summarizes the gospel and he says this. And I really want to focus on the first part, not so much the part about resurrection. And these are verses that are very dear to me, very special, and I'll tell you why at the end of the message. You'll have to keep on listening. Christ died for our sins. I remember hearing a preacher many years ago, and he would take verses and he would, he would say them in different ways. I'd like to do that with this verse tonight. Just, just bear with me for a few seconds. I'm going to repeat the verse in different ways. The same verse. Christ died. For our sins. Let me say it a little bit differently. Christ died for our sins. 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 Same verse. Just emphasizing different points. And it shows you the beauty and the depth of the gospel. And how the Apostle Paul, as he would say this same message all over the place, all over the known world at that time. But he would be saying so much. 
what I want to tell you tonight. I want to tell you who Christ is. I want to tell you what Christ did. I want to tell you who he did it for. I want to tell you something about us. And then I want to tell you about the sin. But first of all, we have to see the person. It's all about the person. First of all, the Apostle Paul goes in and he says here, it is Christ that died for our sins. Many people have died. Many people give their lives. Many people go up to mountains and, and they go up and they try to climb. And Everest is one of those famous ones. Did you see on the news this year how many people died going up Everest? Trying to get to the top. Fulfilling that dream. Taking that notch off the bucket list. And they would lose their lives. They would leave their families behind. And they would leave their children behind. Why? For a pipe dream. Lots of people died. But this was Christ who died. Lots of important men die. I love reading books about the military. Again, not so much the Canadian military, but your military and and about the special forces and so on and so forth. Fascinating stories that you can read. And you know what? You can read story after story after story of men who would go to war and they would see another soldier, a fellow soldier, and they were in danger. And what would they do? Grenade pops over the wall starts bouncing on the ground, he thinks to himself, it's only a matter of seconds. If that goes off, he's dead. What do they do? Many times you'll see a brave man. He'll throw his body on top of the grenade. It will explode, and that man will die. And his friends will live. Many great men throughout all of history have given their lives. But Paul, the the Bible says, God himself says, Christ died. Christ died. This isn't any other man. This isn't just a soldier. It's not a Navy SEAL. This isn't an Army Ranger. This is the Son of God. He is the one who died. Can you get that in your mind tonight? This isn't any man. This is God's own perfect and holy Son. He's the one who died. You'll need to notice the second word. It was Christ. It was Christ who died. It's the penalty for sin. It's really interesting as Paul goes through this gospel, uh, goes through the, what, what he's saying about the gospel, and he uses this phrase again and again and again, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. What I think Paul is talking about is mo- most specifically Isaiah 53, but I think you could find this truth in all of the Old Testament. What Paul would be thinking about in the scriptures primarily would be the Old Testament and all those books you see from Genesis all the way to Malachi. And Paul would think about how you can see this truth. You can see it all the way in the history books. You young guys, you know, you've heard the story from Genesis 22 and you know about Abraham and Isaac and you know about that great substitution that took place. There was going to be a death and then there wasn't a death, but it it was as if he came back to life. You see it in, in the history books. You see it again in, in the poetry and in, in the book of the Psalms. You see in Psalm number 8, you see that the Lord Jesus Christ was one in prophecy in these Psalms. He was one who's ma- who was made a little lower than the angels. But then later on, he was crowned with glory and honor, a death and a life. You see later on in the prophets like Jonah. And you can see how Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. You can see a death and him coming out. You can see a life. But where you see it most clearly is in Isaiah 
53. I mentioned this verse the other night. The Lord hath laid, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see in Isaiah 53, and another night we will go through this and we'll see different truths in Isaiah 53, but you see what Paul is talking about. What I'm saying to you, this isn't something new. This isn't some message that I just thought of. This is according to the scriptures. This is from the beginning all the way to the end. This is God's plan. What was God's plan? That Christ would die. You say, why did he have to die? Why couldn't he have just lived? People ask that question to me sometimes. Why didn't he just live? You know, I like to ask people that question right back. Why didn't the Lord Jesus Christ just live? Many religious people in the place where we worked for a long time, I ask them that very, very often. I, would say, I, I say to them, why didn't Christ just live? Why did he die? Because from what you're telling me, all I need to do for salvation is look to Christ as an example. And then I'll deserve my salvation and one day I'll be saved. Why didn't he just keep on living and just keep being a good example? Is that what Christ is to you? Just a good example? Just someone to follow? Be like him? And then in the end, God will say, well done, I approve, you can be saved now? He died for a very specific reason. He could have come and just been an example, but he didn't come just to live. He came for this reason, to die. Why did he die? Joey mentioned it last night. The penalty of sin is death. The penalty of sin is death. When the Lord Jesus at the beginning of that week on the colt, the foal of an ass, walking as that animal would walk into the great city of Jerusalem and he would begin that last and final week of his earthly life. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was going to die. And as he would carry on throughout the week and he would be speaking to people and correcting people and teaching people and spending time with his disciples as they would near and get closer and closer and closer to the day, to the moment when he would give his life, he knew exactly what he was coming to do. And as it came to that fateful night when those men would be around the table and they would share that first Lord's Supper in the upper room, he knew precisely what he was doing. And as Judas Iscariot would leave the room and he would run toward those men, that great traitor, and he would betray the Lord Jesus Christ, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And as they would be in the garden and those men come and they take him and they take him prisoner and they would set up those courts and all night long they would be judging him and all night long, they would be speaking falsehoods against him. And men from here, and men from there, and different stories, and nothing coincided. And it was all a big farce. He knew precisely what he was doing. And as the morning came, and those early hours of the dawn, and the Lord Jesus was led out as a lamb to the slaughter. And as they would beat him, as they would whip him, as they would tear the beard off of his face, he knew exactly what he was doing. And when they put him on the cross, 
He knew why he was there. Do you know why? Because this was God's plan from the beginning. What? That Christ would die. It's the only way your sin can be dealt with. It's the only way you can be free from your sin. It is the only method by which you will ever see God through the death of God's own son. He went to the cross knowing he would die. Why? Because he knew that's the only way that I could be saved and you could be saved tonight. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. I was appreciating this again recently as I was studying the Bible for something else. You know, I have a lot of commentaries at home and even more back in Mexico. <laughs> I haven't brought yet. May never bring. I was enjoying this. The Bible is the greatest commentary on the Bible. When you study things, sometimes you bring out different books and you, you try to glean from other men and there's nothing wrong with that and, and there's a lot to learn from other men and uh, there's a lot of wisdom uh, to be found in other God-fearing men who study the Bible. But the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. I was thinking, I don't want to be accused of robbing Peter to pay Paul, but in First Peter, he gives us a little more light on this verse from the Apostle Paul. First Peter 3, verse 18, another one of those amazing verses. You know it, you young kids here, you've memorized it before. For Christ also hath once, that was Sunday night, right? Once, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, but then he gives us a little commentary on what Paul says right here. The way Paul says it is, Christ died for our sins. Peter uses different terminology. You know what he says? He says this. The just for the unjust. Who is the just person and who is the unjust person? Christ is the just. Our sins. We are the unjust person. I speak often of, of this man that I met in Mexico, came to meetings, and not during the series of meetings, but he believed afterwards, and his name was Just. In Spanish, it's Justo. You always heard this before. This man named Just, he came to the meetings, and meeting after meeting after meeting, many weeks, he heard the gospel, and it wasn't until after the series of meetings that he told us that he was saved. Do you know how, how he said that he believed? He realized that in 1 Peter 3.18, that he was not the just, like his name was, right? <laughs> he wasn't the just. He realized he was on the other side of the verse, the unjust. And then he put two and two together, the Spirit of God did, and he realized Christ is the just who died for me, the unjust. Just. What side of the verse are you on? What side of the verse are you on tonight? Are you on the just side? Or are you on the unjust side? Are you the one who is still trying to prove yourself to God? Still trying to suffer, even though you're not walking to different cities and beating yourself physically, but you're trying to prove yourself to God with your emotions and with your great belief. No, no. There's one person who could die for you. That is the just man. There's only one just man in all of history. It's not you. It's not me. 
Not Joey. Nobody here. It's the Lord Jesus Christ here with us. His spiritual presence here among us. He is the only one who could die for you. I love that word for. I love it. In Spanish, it's really similar. You just put a P instead of the F. For, for, same thing. You know what it means? A lot of times when we say it in Spanish, we say it this way, in the place of. Christ died for our sins, speaking about us. The just for the unjust. The just man in the place of the just. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he went to die. Because you couldn't have died there. You couldn't have gone there. If you would have gone and if you would have been crucified, it would have done no good for your sin. But he goes. And he dies. Salvation is provided. It's a person. It's a person you want to put your faith in. It is a person who can provide salvation for you. It was a person who died at the cross. It is a person who is the author and who will give you salvation if you trust him tonight. There's more in the verse. Christ died for our sins. 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 They were our sins. They were your sins. They were my sins. They weren't his sins. In the Bible, it says that if there's going to be a sacrifice, it needs to be a lamb or different sacrifices, but it needs to be without blemish and without spot. Do you think the Lord Jesus was like that? The Bible tells us that he was holy, harmless, and undefiled separate from sinners, separate from sinners, a perfect man, a perfect sacrifice put on that cross as a sacrifice. Why? For you. I'm rushing because I want to get to the end. I told you I was going to tell you at the end why this verse is so special to me. There's a man down in the city of Guadalajara. I was talking to him today and I asked him, can I, can I say a little bit? About your story, Max, his name is Max. He said, oh yeah, for sure. I said, Max, just refresh me a little bit about, the, uh, about your story, exactly how you're saved. I remember I was there and, and it was a very precious moment, but I wanted to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Well, Max told me what it was and he reminded me again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as he heard about these verses and especially in verse number three, that Christ died and that he died for our sins. Max said, when I was sitting in that meeting and I heard that being preached, he said, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that for someone like me, that he would go to that extent, that he would suffer and that he would die, that he would give his own life for someone like me. Me, I almost couldn't believe it. And that was the day when Max was saved. Do you know what I meant, Max? He was lost. He was lost. He was into different things. He found some comfort in alcohol for a little bit. He was having problems. He had problems in his family. He had problems elsewhere. Every, lots of different problems that you can imagine right now. He had them. But when he came to understand this, I know Max today. I just, I just spoke to him. His life is totally changed. Totally changed. Max is a great example to me now. I remember the first time I saw him. 
just a few years ago, three years ago, and now he is an example to me. Do you know why? Very simple, very simple. It wasn't some great emotion that he had. It wasn't because Max has a really strong faith, stronger one than you have, no. It was because Max put his faith in a person, in a person. Not in a list of rules. Not in a religion. Not in a discipline. Not on some new diet. Daniel diet? No, no. He put his faith in a person. Who are you trusting tonight? The Bible says that Christ died for our sins. Who else is going to take away your sins if it's not Christ? The Bible says that it is a person who provides salvation. You keep trusting in yourself. You will never be saved. Believe what God says. What does God say? God says Christ died for our sins. Let us pray.